0: Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media.
1: Good evening, everyone. And we want to welcome you, uh, those that are here in this room together, and those that are joining us online. This is... Uh, the fourth Sunday night of the month, which is typically our worldview night. So we just want to um, welcome you. Normally, also, my son-in-law, Mitch Robinson, leads this session, and he is out of town tonight. And so uh, we're not Mitch, but we're going to give it a go. So I've got a dear friend, one of our pastors, Jenny Edison. And so we're going to chew on something wonderful tonight. I'm looking really, really forward to what we have to discuss tonight. Uh, But before we do, why don't we just go ahead and pray? Can we do that? Uh, Jenny, you want to just lead us in prayer tonight?
0: Heavenly Father, we thank you that you promised us that wherever wherever we are gathered together in your name, whether we're in this room or online, we are gathering together in your name. And you said that you'd be with us, in the midst of us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the best teacher and you teach us clearly. By your spirit, you teach us. And we thank you for clarity tonight, for understanding, for revelation, for impartation, and for a greater grasp on the goodness of our God, our Heavenly
1: Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love what you uh, mentioned in that prayer. The Lord, our God, in the midst of us is mighty. I love that scripture from Zephaniah, and he saves and rejoices over us with joy. So I, I love that picture of God, don't you, uh, that God isn't with furrowed brow, angry and mad, that he is rejoicing over us with joy. And another thing that I love about that picture of him rejoicing over us with joy. <clears throat> of course, we know the joy of the Lord is our strength, our strength. but uh, a lot of times, um, I don't know, in, maybe it was only my thinking, it wasn't anybody else's, but I was thinking um, the joy of the Lord, I mean, just have, have the joy of the Lord, uh, the fruit of joy, which is, uh, which is really important, but uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. But after that, seeing that verse of Scripture and seeing that he rejoices over us with joy, his joy, how happy he is, is actually our strength. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we, we actually receive uh, abundantly from his joy. Yeah. And um, something that is also beautiful about his joy is uh, In the complexion of what is going on in the world, um, from Psalms, the second chapter, where it said that the world leaders are framing up against him, against God, and against his anointed, against Jesus, with this massive, um, targeted, antichrist spirit, and that he who sits in the heavens laughs. He laughs. The wonderful
0: thing about joy, it, it does, ha- the um, byproduct of joy is a feeling, right? You feel re- happy. But joy actually is a tool. So I, I've, I did a study once to find out all the things that you do with joy. And it's a bit like picking up a, the manual of a good power tool. You know, you get a good, say, a drill or something. You can do so much with the drill. Well, there's so much you can do with joy. Yeah. You actually reap with joy. And when he rejoices over us with joy, we can take his joy and use that to rejoice over our situations too. Oh,
1: I love that. Yes, we're rejoicing. You know, where it comes to praying for nations or praying for the nation of of Australia and others beyond there, um, a lot of times what provokes prayer is aggravating circumstances or concerning circumstances. And uh, so some, sometimes, well, I, I have to be honest with you, more than just sometimes. There's been multiple, many times when, uh, when I have come into the throne room, it's not been with thanksgiving and uh, into his courts with praise. I've come in um, with concern on my face and, uh, and a little bit of God. what's going on in in the nations and what is you know there is um uh, the bible uses the roar of the seas to be an example of what goes on the roar in the nations and it is so it can be really quite tumultuous honestly though when you Ever. No. And uh, so sometimes I've come in w- quite concerned, quite concerned, and um, then draw up near to him. And before we proceed too much into kingdom business, he calms me down yeah. so that we're not trying to conduct kingdom business in a panic because he's not going to agree with panic. I'm going to come into agreement with him, and he who sits in the heavens is joyful. Yeah. Why? Because he wins. He
0: wins, and then we leave that prayer room with joy.
1: Yes. Oh, I love that about yeah. I love that about yeah. prayer. Yeah. There is always this sense of of um, nourishment in His presence. Don't you think? Everything that comes out of him and comes from him is just so nourishing. You just feel, uh, yeah, it's it's like a a throne room therapy, praise God. And that is praying about disasters. You still get throne room therapy, praise God. Mm. Amen. Well, the subject that we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to keep picking up on uh, the subject of suffering and an aspect of suffering. And um, for those of you who are part of our church, those of you who may watch online, uh, we have touched on the subject of suffering in different aspects. Uh, and then even on Sunday night, Mitch and I talked about um, suffering and an intervention to suffering uh, being compassion. That's God's intervention to suffering, but I just wanted to um, um, to go over a couple things because um, in studying this, actually, uh, Mitch and I had had some private conversations about the subject and. And he made mention of the fact because he has gotten to talk to quite a number of people. He loves it, actually. He looks for the opportunity, yearns for the opportunity to talk to people who, are, who profess ag- to be agnostic or atheistic. And, and then they give reasons why they um, are embittered against God or have come to believe that there is no God. And he, um, he made mention of the fact that the number one reason is suffering. And people just struggle with making it fit. It just doesn't fit. You know, yes. so if there is a, a God and he is supposed to be good, and if he's got ability, then why? So those are some things you can go back over past... Um, uh, past sessions that we have had, and and we've uh, we've really enjoyed looking into it, not exhausting it by any shape, form, or fashion. But what I found, uh, Jenny, was that uh, that reminded me of prayer. Is that um, it really reminded? And I never did before. I actually this last study on the subject of suffering. Uh, on the subject of prayer, Brother Hagen would use this example. Brother Kenneth e. Hagen would use this example. He said people oftentimes um, think prayer is prayer and throw all the different kinds of prayer that are illustrated or taught in the Bible, principles of these different kinds of prayer, and they put them in a bag, shake them up, and throw them out together, and they just say prayer is prayer. But it is not so. There are different characteristics and guidelines that go with different kinds of prayer as much as there are different kind of guidelines that go along with different sports. Of course, there has to be different rules because they're different sports. And the same thing is with regard to prayer, but not only prayer, Mm -hmm. also suffering. Many different kinds of suffering. And so... Uh, there are there is of course the sufferings of, of sickness. I think we bump into in these circles. We address the suffering of sick, sickness pretty straight on, and we apply scripture where uh, this, the suffering of sickness. Um, typically in the church, we've we haven't addressed um, the suffering that has happened in people's minds and emotions as much. But uh, I reckon that uh, because of the work that Jesus did, that's going to come up. Don't you think so? I believe
0: so. As part of that healing redemption. Yeah. As part of the healing redemption. It is. It uh, used to be just physical sickness, but mental illness is a big deal. And I believe that God saw it down the passage of time and has made provision for it in the redemption. I believe that too. I
1: do. I believe it. And um, he will see... The, um, the, the travail, travail of, of his soul. soul. And he will be satisfied. Yes. Yeah. And so all that he went through to pay for uh, peace of mind, he's going to see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Poverty is suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, not being able to buy that fourth television for your home <laughs> may not be considered poverty. But there are people who... Absolutely, grown under the heavy, ugly boot of poverty. Yeah, like, and um, it's a. And thank God for the gospel. Yeah. And uh, the first plank of the gospel, he said, um, "The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. To the poor. Mm. It's yeah. the first thing up. That's right." And there's, there's natural suffering, there's natural suffering, uh, meaning there is in nature. And so, mm. oh, the suffering that people have had through, you know, disasters, um, t- volcanoes, mm. hurricanes, yeah. cyclones. Which is, you know, the, the ones
0: that you just mentioned previously, that sickness, poverty, lack, mental distress... So much suffering that takes place in the world is covered by redemption.
1: Yes. You you
0: know, when you're born again and you come into the kingdom, there's so much available for you um, and Christians don't need to suffer under the weight of sickness, mental illness, um, lack, poverty, Mm -hmm. everything that was bought and purchased by Jesus. But then, as you said, there are other realms of suffering that...
1: For some Christians, they go, well, how do do we deal with that? (laughs) Yeah, it's so true, you know, and we're not talking about nature tonight, but it's a a very interesting study from Romans the eighth chapter that this whole world, the earth itself is groaning, and creatures are groaning, uh, longing for um, the manifestation of the sons of God and our full redemption. Uh, When things can go back to the way they were originally intended and nature is at peace with itself again. So, I think one of the questions that um, when Mitch and I were first talking about this subject, he said that one of the questions um, is, has there always been suffering? Has there always been suffering? And uh, there has been suffering, Every since, people chose against God who is love, God who is life, and God who is light. They chose against love. So what do you get? Hate in the presence of, of fear. Life, they got death. And they chose against light. And so then there is darkness. And so... It, yeah, ever since that time, it unloosed terrible suffering in the world. Um, I would had remembered a, uh, uh, what do you call that, a quote from John Alexander Dowie. And I just asked uh, Ginny if she remembered exactly what it was. This was right before we, we began tonight, that um, he, was a, he was quite renowned with healing on a global scale. And notable healings, fabulous healings. And um, he, he said this, he said, sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, Sin. Don't you find that amazing? That is such a strong statement. Sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, Sin.
0: Could you actually replace sickness and say suffering? Yeah. There you go.
1: But is it all suffering? Well, the sufferings, a lot of the suffering that we have talked about up to... mm, um, I think Mitch just mentioned a little bit that there's some other suffering that is in the epistles, mentioned in the epistles, mm-hmm. and then what Jesus said, too, that uh, is a little different. So that's one of those things you can't put it in the same bag and toss it out together. Yeah, It's a little different. So uh, we're not talking about that one, though, tonight. We're going to look at that. Uh, And another time. This morning in our Sunday morning service, we did talk about persecution, which is another. It's another form of suffering, but it's different than sickness. It's different than poverty, and it's different than even natural disasters. disasters. It's different than that. And so uh, maybe another time, and I know Tony has addressed natural disasters before a number of times, Uh, But we won't get into that tonight. We're going to eventually scoot into what we want to hone in on and Mm -hmm. focus on tonight. But I do want to make mention of this suffering. Um, There is human-induced suffering. Okay, as opposed to versus... Uh, what Jesus mentioned in Acts ten thirty eight, he said, "How God anointed Jesus of Christ with, a uh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil." So, sickness is demonic oppression, whether it is. Yeah. Yeah, mental w- illness, poverty or any kind of any thing. of those kind of things and and it can be uh, a demon enforced or it's just that satan was the father uh, of that of earth. that terrible terrible suffering mm-hmm. and sin was the mother. He influenced man to sin, man opened the door through sin to unspeakable sufferings in the world. Um So there's demon-induced suffering, but there is also human-induced. And back behind all of that would be, of course, the oppressor himself. But Mm. the suffering, a lot of suffering that we have in the world, um, crime, torture, abuse, um, uh, yeah, that suffering, God sees it all sees it all
0: and I think that that's the kind of thing um, for even for Christians I don't know about you but I have the question sometimes and had to used to have the question if God if you are a God of love Mm. why you know we used to see it with children why are children being abused why are women being beaten up in their own homes why are are, are people being uh, captured and and traded why, you know, why do people sell drugs? And even as a Christian, I would say, well, God, if you're such a God of love, why do you let this happen? Mm. But the one thing that I discovered, and we might be jumping ahead. And no, you ahead. can pull back here. Is I found out that, you know, it says in the Bible, in, in the Old Testament, that the children of Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. Mm-hmm. And so... God has certain ways, mm-hmm. and he, he has instituted those ways for us to actually participate in the alleviation of that kind of suffering. That's pretty big.
1: That is really pretty big. Uh, the last time we were talking um, about, about this subject uh, last month, we were talking about how compassion the mm-hmm. compassion of God alleviates. I love that word. Alleviates um, the kind of suffering that we've mentioned before that is uh, included in, in um, as a result of the curse of the law, like mm. sin, um, s- sin, sickness and mental, and loss, and yeah. mental um, affliction and those kind of things. And uh, we we really honed in on compassion and that compassion connects you with the person that is hurting, connects you with them, but it also connects you with the God who cares. Yeah. And it it, it uh, makes you a conduit of that compassion that intervenes and interrupts and alleviates that, yeah. that so suffering. The, yeah.
0: So the question is then, if, if God is a God who cares and there is a way that we can participate mm-hmm. in the alleviation of suffering. My. Well, then, you know, I know that both my husband and I, we got involved in that kind of work. Mm-hmm. And he, he went into child protection and I worked in children's services. And praise God, we could affect a few people. <laughs> yeah. But when you see the magnitude... Of the suffering Mm. that's unjust, Mm. that's merciless, unjust suffering Mm. of humans. How how can we have enough social workers? We cannot. We We cannot. cannot. I was thinking about that dream that you had.
1: Mm. Yes. And I'll I'll get into that dream again. for those of you who may have heard it last month, this may be a repeat, but... um, uh, I, but uh, I'll, I'll go back over it because you're right, it, mm-hmm. it is a good one. I think that tonight what we're honing in on is not so much the intervention uh, into sickness or mental illness or poverty mm-hmm. or the natural, but it is an intervention. How does God intervene into human-induced suffering? Yeah.
0: Particularly for the for the poor and oppressed, you yeah. know, if you got you've got two, use the example two politicians who are bantering at each other, yeah. giving each other. That's not the kind of suffering we're talking about. We're <laughs> talk, you know, people who are strong and you know get at each other. We're talking about people who are weak, who have no voice. Yeah. The children. Children. The particularly.
1: Yeah. Uh, how does God
0: mm, intervene mm, on a massive scale? Yes.
1: Well, so in this dream, in this dream, and I'll, I'll try to make it snappy, uh, but it actually, uh, this dream lasted all night. And I won't go into all the detail of it, but in my dream, I saw, in very clear detail, um, strategic, intentional torture of somebody, and um, he was crying out for help and for them to stop, and it was like they never heard him talking. Mm -hmm. They just kept doing what they were doing as though his cries were nothing, Mm -hmm. And um, so, uh, and they just kept on doing it. And it dawned on me that the only people, because where they were, uh, where this was located and happening, uh, no one else could hear this man, this poor man being tortured, only the people who were torturing him. I thought, isn't that something? No one could hear his pleas. And uh, there was, it was something it was so vile about it. It was something the more he played with them, it was like it egged him on. It was like something real evil about that. <laughs> and because of the way I had been raised, I, um, you know, I hadn't ever been around anything like that. It just made me sick. Mm. And so uh, that lasted all night. And then the next night... Uh, When I was going to sleep, that dream started up again. And um, because it had made me nauseous in the day, it had really affected me physically. I just hated that dream. When I started going to sleep, the dream came back. I woke up and I told Tony, I said, that dream's back. I cannot go to sleep with that dream. So I went in the living room and I got down on my knees And I said, "God, are you trying to tell me something?" (laughs) And um, and that's when I saw. And I brought up that Uh, last time, I I saw this massive uh, uh, what do what do you call it? A what is it? Massive warehouse. It's like a stadium. Massive, massive. Couldn't see the the ends on either, but it was like a a room, massive, full of people suffering. And a lot of them at the hands of other humans, human-induced suffering, most of it was. And some of it was domestic, some of it was uh, within prisons, some of it was in institutions, some of it was in schools, some of it was uh, in large numbers, some of it was individuals, some of it uh, was expressions of war, Uh, all kinds. It was just like a menagerie, plethora of all kinds of ways that humans um, make other humans suffer, and there were animals in there, too, that Mm -hmm. had been induced um, to suffer at the hands of humans. It was too much for my soul. I just couldn't bear it. And I just screamed out, maybe what people do, you know? Mm -hmm. I was like, and I know him, and I love him, and I trust him. But my scream in prayer that night was, do something! Do something. And when I said those words, that massive room became a chamber in his heart. I'll never forget it. And in the moment that that massive room became a chamber in his heart, I was not aware of the people's pain. I was aware of his pain. And then he said these words. He said, I'm doing the most I can do with the prayers I have. Yeah. Oh, my. Mm. I said, well, if it's prayers you need to intervene with this, yeah. we'll get you some prayers. Mm. But help me to know what to say. What do we do? What do we, how do we say? How do we even start this? Mm. And, um, and that's when, you know, um, First, P, or First Timothy, the second chapter, to pray for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority. Um, that had always been big to me, but it swelled huge. huge. And I began to see that civic authority is a tool in the hands of God to intervene into human suffering yeah. at the hands of other, uh, other humans. And that he had instituted it. So, yeah. why don't you go ahead and say yeah. what you got on that?
0: The first thing I think that we really need to establish is that God cares about this. God doesn't just go, "Oh well, you prayed, I'm going to do something for you." No, God is really, really cares yes. about injustice. There are some wonderful scriptures. And I'll read them very quickly. Psalm eighty nine, verse fourteen says, "Righteousness and justice are the foundation." Of your throne, God's very throne is established on righteousness and justice. Mm. He cares about it, and then it says, "Mercy and loving kindness and truth go before your face." Well, God's throne is established on righteousness, but He sees mercy and loving kindness. So God really cares about that. Um, I mean, there are other scriptures and we won't, for the the sake of time, go into them, but we have to really establish in our hearts that God not only cares about it, but he's determined to do something about it. Well, how can he do something about it? The interesting thing... Did you want to add something? Okay. In the Old Testament... And I love reading these stories. They're, they're like the, the fire and brimstone stories. You know, people do bad things and God makes the ground open up and swallow them up or sends fire and brimstone. And God's into these wonderful ways of dealing with, and you go, wouldn't it be nice if that happened right now? Go oh, let the fire and brimstone. But, you know, um, injustice like this is so insidious in our culture and in our national, you know, in our in our nations, all around the world, how does God actually deal with it these days without destroying whole populations of people? The wonderful thing is that we now live in an age of grace, and the judgment of God, and he has every right to be judge, because he is the judge, but the judgment of God has been withheld for a time. And I'm so thankful for that because I would have been the recipient of his judgment yeah. if it weren't for the grace of God.
1: Withheld and also expended and poured out on Jesus. It was yeah. poured
0: out on Jesus. Jesus took the full penalty and the full weight of the judgment of God, not just on my little piddling you know, sins, <laughs> and, and, and I've had a few, but can you imagine, he took the full weight of the judgment of people who were instigating this kind of torture that mm. you saw in the dream. Jesus took it. And so in this age of grace, the, the judgment of God is withheld for a time, which is really nice. But then what do you deal Because he so cares about justice mm. and judgment. What has he done to make sure that justice still takes place in our nation today? What has he done? He has set up civil authorities. Now there's some wonderful scriptures and we know this, we've read it before but I'll read it again. Romans 13. And it says, um, let every person be loyally subject to governing civil authorities, for there is no authority except from God. God set up these governing authorities. And why did he do it? Um, uh, And those that do exist do by God's appointment. And it says there, uh, let me skip over. Civil authorities are not a terror of those of good conduct, but to those of bad behaviour. Who would have no dread of him who is in authority? Then do what is right and you will receive his approval and commendation. Can you see what, what, what Paul's writing here to the Romans of yeah. all people? He's saying civil authorities have been set up by God to do, to you know, for those of you who are right, you don't need to worry about it. Yeah. But if you're doing wrong, it says yes, here in verse 4, for yeah. he is God's servant for your good.
1: Yeah. He
0: is God's servant to execute wrath, punishment and vengeance on the wrong on the wrongdoer. Yeah. So therefore one must be subject not only to avoid God's wrath and escape punishment, but also a matter of principle. So if you're not subject to the government or in other words, you break the rules and you do bad things, God has instituted civil authorities to execute his justice. Yes. And when you see that, you go,
1: well, there are all
0: sorts of people in civil authority whose job it is to make sure people get justice, make sure that wrongdoers are brought to to the law and put in jail, make sure that people who are being oppressed, that oppression leaves them. And, and um, I mean,
1: God's instituted this for our well-being. I love that. Um you know, because we, we really embrace in the church, it's, it's our message, uh, uh, God of love and of God of mercy. Um, but the world is also looking for a God who is just. Yes. Yes. And for injustices and crooked things to be made straight and, um, and rough things to be made smooth. And in Mary's prayer... I'm talking about the mother of Jesus in her prayer, and in Elizabeth's prayer, and is in Zacharias's prayer. These are all prayers leading up to the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus, and they all mention uh, injustices being addressed. And uh, it's important, and that, uh, and it is important to God. Well, in our dispensation, like Jenny was saying, this is a dispensation of grace, and our message is good news, and and it is uh, we are actually extensions um, of the mercy of God. We dispense and give the mercy of God out. So where does the, who does the justice part of God? Did God quit being just? Well, what, what happens when the church starts to deliver justice and judgments? Oh, that gets weird. I'm talking about when we start being the law and saying, you know, and laying down. If we, if we stop our message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and we start being the law,
0: it comes off like we're being judgmental.
1: It does come off. And no one in the world can stand it when the church is being judgmental. And the first thing they use is the big H word, hypocrite. Yeah. You're dealing out the judgment, but, you know, are y'all perfect? And,
0: you know, we're not. So, yeah. so God has another way. He because has another we way. we are the voice, you know, mercy and truth pass before his eyes. And we are the voice of mercy. Our job as the church is to call for the mercy of God. Yeah. But he's instituted civil authorities and not just the government. There are wonderful organizations whose job it is
1: to execute justice. That's right. We have, uh, if we can just keep going on in Romans, the 13th chapter, it says um, it actually calls civic workers. They may not even be saved. Don't have to be. But he has set up civic authority and channels to execute judgment. And he calls it, inspired scripture calls them in Romans 13th chapter and verse 6, he calls civic authority and workers God's ministers. Now, that's not what people... You know, in Australia, they don't call them God's ministers. They say they're servants of the public or.
0: But if they're in politics, they're ministers.
1: They. Oh, they are. In this country, they are. They are actual. Well, the scripture literally calls them God's ministers. And um, I just think that is amazing. So, God has ministers in the church. And we are all God's ministers in the church. And we function in different ways, but we're all ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he has ministers in the the secular world or in the civic world. And they're in these levels of authority or in these places of authority to um, execute judgment. Uh, Jenny used one translation, um, the wrath of God. Yes.
0: In fact, um, in 1 Peter 2, verse 13 and 14. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah, it's uh, two or three witnesses. He's in the second one. Be submissive to every human institution and authority for the sake of the Lord. And I like that word submission. It's like come under their mission. Oh, say that again. Well, if we're to be submissive government authorities it doesn't mean roll over and play dead it means come under their mission i mean you've taught it like this when wives are submissive to their husband it doesn't mean you know roll over whatever you like darling it's, it's you know come under them and minister to them yeah well when when the bible says in in 1 peter 2 and in romans 13 be submissive to government authorities come under submission. Their mission, their Their mission mission. really from God. It is their mission from God. So in in Peter it says, um, uh, be submissive to every human institution and authority for the sake of the Lord, whether it be to the emperor as supreme. I'm so glad I didn't live in the time of Peter because we might have had challenges being (laughs) submissive to that emperor. (laughs) But Peter wrote it. And then in verse 14, it says, Or to governors as sent by him to bring vengeance,
1: punishment,
0: justice to those who do wrong and to encourage those who do good service. So, they
1: have a mission. Uh, the King James Version of Romans 13 says, They bear not the sword in vain. Doesn't that sound regal? Wow. These civic ministers of God bear a sword in vain to bring justice uh, for people who are suffering um, really by other humans. And to stop it, uh, actually, um, our police forces, our uh, military, our military does the same thing. They do it on a large scale like that. You know, um, I'm going to use this example. We can turn to. No, how can we help these ministers? How can we help these civic ministers? Well, you know, the
0: question then, because I'm thinking, well, if that's God's plan, then why are so many ministers corrupt and doing wrong and not, not actually doing their job?
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know, so then, then they're perverting. Actually, the ministers of justice in the civic are actually perverting justice. They are. Because they're, they're
0: um, submitting to, a, see, the Bible says that by wisdom they mm-hmm, reign. Mm-hmm. Well, to, Proverbs, the eighth their, chapter, yeah. One of their two kinds of wisdom.
1: Yeah. And so there is a wisdom that comes from beneath. It is earthly, sensual, and devilish. And um, the leaders who are God's servants in the civic realm to and, bring just his justice. They need wisdom. They need wisdom. It, they run on just like cars use fuel to run. Our civic leaders use wisdom to run. And if they don't get wisdom from above, they'll take it from below. And it's earthly, sensual, and devilish, and they'll end up perverting judgment. And what's said about it is that God is the fall guy. Then people blame God for perverted judgment. But he's given it to us to pray for them so that God gives his wisdom even to unsaved people so that godly decisions can be made.
0: And so he is doing the best he can do with the prayers that he gets.
1: <laughs> he does. Let's give him some more prayers. So it, Can it, we? Let's give him some prayers.
0: So explain about um, in, in, in Timothy about how that process works. Yes. Praying for kings and all in authority.
1: Well, you know, 1 Timothy, the second chapter, it gives that admonition that we should first of all pray um, prayers, supplication, intercession, givings of thanks for all men, so we can think about all Australia or all the folks in Queensland. And then for kings, for all that are in authority, that we might lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, verse 4, who would have all men be saved. All men be saved. The goal for God isn't just, you know, perfect government and everybody playing nice together and everybody just living pros- prosperously and at the end of their life go to hell. No, That's not the object is just to have a... You know, happy society and everything is just lovely uh, in society and then people just drop off and, um, into a godless eternity. The goal is for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of, of the Son of God. So what do we do? He gives us a, a plan between um, all men and all men. All men in verse 2 and all men in verse 4. and We pray for kings and for all that are in authority. We pray for our leaders because um, God's wisdom to them sets up things and is a part of a, a highway for the glory yes, of God to be exactly. revealed in a region, not just in an individual life, but in an area. And guys, don't we want God to move in our city yes. and in our state and in this great nation?
0: So, you know, I've seen it very much on a personal level, um, having worked in the fields that we've worked in over the last de- few decades, I have to say. And I've seen, for example, little children, and it just make me cry thinking about it, but a little child who's sitting in their bedroom um, saying, if there is a God in heaven, will someone help me? If there is a God, who's coming to help And you know, God has ordained civic authorities to intervene. Um, One of our family members who lives in Melbourne um, works for an organization, and I won't name it, but it's uh, an organization that goes into um, countries where human trafficking is rife. And this organization, they get intelligence, you know, like information. It's a Christian organization. They, get, they learn intelligence, they learn information. They find out where these particularly young women are being held captive behind some shop somewhere in some dark and dingy city in central Southeast Asia or wherever. And when they find that information, they, under the cover of night, I mean it makes them for movies, but under the cover of night they go in and they save these girls and they take them out and rescue them how do they do that without god's wisdom how do they do that without supernatural assistance so when the bible says pray we are providing we're making power available to this these kind of operations
1: Over and over and over again. Since that time, since that time, since I had that dream, I cannot count the times when special prayer has been inspired to be made and um, it won't be that much longer. And he he told me, he said, I'll always let you see the fruit of your prayers. Uh, To be an encouragement to keep praying uh, where there's been stings that break up pornography, child pornography, or trafficking, drug trafficking, and all kinds of different things. God intervenes if we will pray. He intervenes into human suffering. And oftentimes how he does it is through, you know, these different agencies, but uh, different uh, specialized um, military or specialized teams of people that go in and say, no more suffering here. Yeah. Whatever, how, and I saw them like, almost like factories of evil and suffering. They got good at causing suffering, and a professional at <laughs> causing human suffering. And um, when we pray, when we pray, God in heaven, angels in heaven, will work together with yeah. God's ministers. Yes in the civic area and start breaking up different places of evil that are, are inflicting pain and suffering on other people. And
0: haven't we heard, it's been wonderful to hear, you know, Australia has mm. had some wonderful oh, yes. successes in uncovering evil factories. Yes. And we pray and, and the, the federal police get in there and different... Organizations, you go, yay, God! Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what it's like for for someone who's held captive to be set free? And they go, there is a God
1: in heaven. Yes, there is a God in heaven. Um, you know, I uh, it, c- can you look up Psalms eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, one time, this has been quite a, quite a long time ago. It was, but it was after I had that dream. And I was ministering in a church in um, New Mexico, and I was along these lines. And we were praying for um, kings and for all that are in authority and people like that. And I was just making mention how important um, lawyers, yeah. solicitors, um, barristers, judges are to God, and um, and they make the justice part of God visible and and tangible to people. And the devil hates them. He targets them to pervert judgment. And the reason he does, ultimately, is not just to keep hurting the people, but it's to cast a shadow on his enemy, which is God. Because when judgment is perverted, then people doubt God. That's the whole issue. Well, I had talked about all of this, and how important those people are. And a woman came up to me, and she was in the uh, state level of um, district attorney, assistant district attorney, and her specialty was in child uh, abuse. And she helped try those cases. And um, she was shaking. She said, I, I just felt I was supposed to come today. And her, she was shaking. Her voice was shaking. She said, are you telling me? And she nearly looked angry at me. She said, are you telling me that God cares about my job? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, I hear the most hideous things. Monday through Friday, and when I come to church, you know, it's all, you know, lovely and singing and everything is good and everything. She said, I almost can't connect. I almost can't connect because of how horrible the world is that I work in. She said, does God want to help me in my job? I said, oh, ma'am, I'm telling you. And then I joined her in her tears I said, I am telling you on the authority of the word of God. God wants to help you do your job to defend people that have no defense. Unless she does her job. She is not just a minister of the state. She is a minister of God. Since that time, I've had different meetings where, you know, I'll bring this out and have these Ministers come up front, and there'll be policemen. The most recent was down in, um, in New Zealand when I was there, and this buff policeman guy came up weeping. He said, every day is a fight to keep the integrity. There's constant, constant barrage to, to, um, to stumble and bend integrity. You know who helps these people stand up straight? The church. It's our job to help these other ministers of God. They may not even be saved. But God uses our place before his throne for us to plead on their behalf, God to to give them help and strength and courage to to keep justice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and read that. We have just a few minutes, but isn't this a rich subject? Yeah. And we, can, we can't even get everything, but I, I'd like from tonight, be aware of the scripture along this line. The Bible is jam-packed full of it, mm-hmm. and and you will start seeing it from tonight. You'll be um, sensitized to it. I I nearly beg you, but Paul would use this word. He'd said, I I'm exhort, exhort you. you, but actually if you look at the word, exhort and what it means, Paul was going, I beg you, (laughs) I beg you, pray, pray, let's pray for, let's not just whinge on them. Some of them need to be pulled up on different things. They do. But let's not abdicate our highest responsibility to pray for these people. Okay, go ahead.
0: And I'd like to finish off praying Psalm 72. Oh,
1: beautiful! Yeah, yeah, we
0: use that a lot. Okay, Psalm 11. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow; they make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, who can the right, What can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven, his eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone and
1: burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. And how does he do that? He does it through legal um, exacting upon them, yes. Or yes. Stop doing that. You can't do that anymore. Yes. Okay. That, Keith.
0: That's maybe how God did it in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in this age of grace. He's established this. For the Lord is righteous; He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. God sees yes, the upright. Yes, He does. Yes, He does. You okay. know, there's a wonderful scripture in Psalm seventy-two, and I use this a lot to pray. For kings and all in authority. And it says, give the king knowledge of your way of judging. Isn't that wonderful? We give these people, Lord, give these people in authority knowledge of your ways of judging, O God. And the spirit of your righteousness to the king's son. Let him judge and govern your people with righteousness. And your poor and afflicted ones with judgment and justice. The mountains shall bring peace to the people, and the hills through general uh, through uh, the hills through the general establishment of righteousness. May he judge and defend the poor of the people, deliver the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor, so that they may revere and fear you while the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. May he, Solomon is a type of David's son be like rain that comes down on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. I'll finish right there. In another that was in another one, it says, "For precious is their blood mm. in his
1: sight. Mm. While you're looking for that, yeah, is it okay if we just read you some verses of scripture? Yeah, that's uh, good. Um, well, there's heaps, but. These are really amazing. Uh, Psalms 10. If I could read Psalms 10. Um, And I'll try to do it rapidly. The whole chapter is like, ah, so good. Um, The wicked in verse 3. Well, this is a prayer. This is a prayer that was being prayed. Um, Verse 2. The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor torments, abuses the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above out of his sight for All his enemies, he sneers at them. Verse um, verse 6, he has said in his heart, this is the wicked, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. He sits in lurking places of the villages. In the secret places, he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait, in wait to catch the poor. He catches the poor when he draws them into his net. So he crouches, he lies low, that the helpless may fall by his strength. He has said in his heart, God is forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see. Arise, O oh Lord. So see, this is we pray about this. Yeah. That is the way the wicked think, and that is the way they talk. So we say, Arise, O oh, oh Lord. O oh God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, You will not require an account. Uh, he's saying that of God, You're not going to do anything. We We're going to get away with it. But you have seen. For you observe trouble and grief to repay it by your hand. And one way he does this is it it through civic authority. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm. I love this prayer. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. In other words, wicked schemes that hurt people. Break it. And the evil man seek out his wickedness until you find it no more. Now listen to this, do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, and listen to this last phrase, that man of the earth may oppress no more. Wow. Divine intervention through compassion and mercy through the church, divine intervention through justice through our civic leaders and authority, all by the help and the grace and the strength of God can intervene on human suffering and make a change. Praise the Lord. And he can do much more with the prayers that he's offered. He can. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for light in your word. We're not in, in the dark. We're not flailing around in the dark in this suffering world, knowing, not knowing what to do or what to say. We have, we have your word, mm. and it's a light. Yeah. Help us to pray in the light of it. Help us to lift up our voice yeah. and pray. Mm. You're praying. You're doing the most you can with the prayers you have. Help us to pray more. In Jesus' blessed and holy name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us. Jenny, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us tonight. God bless you.
0: If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brammer.org.au.